Hey guys, welcome to Gino's Golden Tea Podcast. I am the Alpha, Chris Long Gino, coming to you from beautiful Greenville, South Carolina, uh, here to bring you part two of my podcast with Gary Calabano. Uh, understand that this is an amateur podcast. It is done by amateurs, and uh, so there are choppy moments of audio. There are um, you know, where we've had connection issues or whatever the case may be. Um, not everything's going to be perfect on this podcast. And, you know, just kind of the way it is, just working with what I have to work with. But the content is good. And uh, Gary was a great conversation, as he always has been. So um, without much ado, here is the second part of the podcast. So, um, in 2006, you guys are starting up this uh, idea of something called the regional championships. Um, what's the what's the genesis of that idea? What are, what are we accomplishing with the regional championships? Uh, let's see. We did. Let's see. We had uh, East Coast. I'm trying to remember what we had. Do you remember what the were yeah, four or five? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the first time around there were four. You had the east, the south, the west, and the midwest, which mm-hmm. was Rochester, Joliet, Vegas, and Tunica, which was not going to end up being Tunica. It would go on to oh, be. Oh, that's Memphis. right. Tunica in New York. Yeah. I remember no, no, uh, Mississippi. Oh, Tunica, Mississippi, right. Yeah, and that was born but, to, but we, we were up in uh, Syracuse, uh and, Rochester. Was Rochester okay? Mm-hmm. Turning Stone Casino. Turning Stone, that was it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I played golf uh, with uh, Kinsler and uh, Eversol um, before the tournament that year. Yeah. Um, we we just wanted to spread the uh, the live ex- live tournament experience uh, as much as we could to places around the country. You know, I mean, it really came down to, um, you know, how do you how do you get more people exposed? to live tournaments. I mean, during this whole time that we're doing live tournaments with the top players, uh, we're um, putting together league software, we're putting together um, anything we can, you know, uh, for instance, like, you know, closest to the pin, you know, I mean, I was doing this promotional stuff and um, and I needed a com- competition that was easy and, uh, and repetitive and, and so I would, uh, back in the used to have a, a mulligan button. So I, I did a par three and then I, uh, and I hit a shot and I hit the mulligan button and I have the same shot again, but I had, it couldn't be on league play or anything. It had to be on, you know, and I'm explaining all this to Larry and Larry goes, so I get what you want. And next thing I know, I got whole, whole, uh, uh, closest to the pin. He, he created it right from my description of what I needed. I mean, that's how brilliant Larry Hodgson is. I mean, the guy, honestly, Larry Hodgson is just such a genius. It's just beyond belief. So, you know, I I wanted to go around and and have competitions where you know people could come and experience it without having to worry about having a big you know uh, tournament. We'd have a big tournament, but I'd also we always had you know closest to the pin night. Uh, where guys could come in and anybody could win and in fact we even did that when um the illinois lottery 
uh, I, I worked out a deal with the Illinois Lottery for um, a scratch off golden tee scratch off ticket. And the, I think the mouth won uh, the tournament if uh, and he won a home game or something. Um, but we did all these things around Chicagoland with the idea that you could play live on it with a big screen. And, and so the really it was, we wanted to bring the experience to as many people as we could. I mean, it really, you know, it's pretty basic marketing. And by all these regionals, it would feed into also your next world championship. And uh, from those regions, uh, I can't remember the players, but they would be combined with others for a eight person lottery. Do you remember that one? Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Where you had 200 names in a cylinder, Duffer Dan streaming a show. We were calling him Buffer Dan. <laughs> we were calling him Buffer Dan for that day because he kept buffering. I remember Jade Segrist was the uh, programmer who put the thing together. And when it didn't work, it was like, oh, gee. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, I, was Danny Danny Boyd? Did he win the first one or something? Uh, yeah, the, he he was one of the eight. He was one of the eight. I would have to write them down just to, to tell you who the eight were. But um, anyways, but that was once again one one of the more all inclusive parts of building a Team USA roster was eight guys that had at least played two hundred games because that was the qualification. Two hundred games got your name into that cylinder. Uh, to be pulled out for a shot to be on Team USA. Okay. Were there any clunkers in there? Um, I, I will say this. I know I, I'm of, trying to remember. I, I, I don't recall um who were who that those eight guys were. Okay. Well, I first off, um a guy like Matt Keogh, who you know, he uh he kind of left right after that world championship. Uh didn't hear much from him. Jeff Hatfield has been a friend of ours. I knew Um, Jeff. Sure. Yeah. 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 Jeff Hatfield was actually in management for Bailey's and Fox and Hound. And that's how I knew him a little bit. Uh, But he was, you know, he still plays in tournaments every now and then. Uh, Danny boy, Danny boy was actually what was picked out of that. Uh, He was a guy that could have, you know, he he was playing really well. He could have won it almost. Mm -hmm. Ramsey Thomas. Yep. Yeah. Again, another good player. He's no clunker. Yeah, no, no clunker at all. And then uh, a guy uh, who ended up becoming a really good player, which is a guy named Ryan Torkelson. Uh, he's a Minnesota guy. I remember so. Ryan. Yeah, now you now I remember the name. Um, whatever happened to him? Uh, no, he, he he's made cuts in world championships. He's uh, no he, kidding. He, uh, he's, great. He's still. I, I haven't seen him on a leaderboard in a while, but you know, I, I imagine he mm-hmm. can still play Golden Tee right now if he wanted to. Uh, a guy Sweet. in Chicago land, John Tatura. Oh, Johnny, come on. He's a yeah. great player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, John, and, you know, he John, runs, a, runs a bar on the South side. I don't know if he still does, but. Um, uh, yeah, I know. He's, yeah. It's, he might still, I think he's still in the bar business. I saw him in Florida here. Just uh, a couple. Yeah. It's a good man. Johnny Tatura is a good man. Yeah. Uh, Dave Burgess. Uh, uh, not familiar. Uh, he he's a quiet guy. He's actually, um, I think, after that world championship, he attended every single NIV in Richmond until uh, until its last one just a couple of years ago. And then a guy out of Oregon, Justin Taylor. That's what yeah, it's another guy. Okay, I, I, I remember seeing 
I saw some of the old uh, um, program books, and I saw these guys, um, but uh, didn't really didn't really ring a bell with me. I, you know, as far as remembering. But that you was, know, yeah. but, that, but that was the world championship uh, where we talked about that. That's Greg Kinsler's second world championship on in the individual, but the team competition was played to a tie. Oh yeah, that was at the kilt. Yeah, that, that was at the, that was at the tilt to kilt. Right. Yeah. And uh, we, then, uh, you know, everybody knew the rules ahead of time. That's the one thing that's, you know, kind of bugs me. And then when I saw that they really wanted to, you know, have a, a, a champ, I said, well, let the captains talk. And I guess that didn't work out. I don't remember all, why it didn't work out, but, um, but, you know, it was, you should have just stuck to the rules, the way the rules were, you know, yeah. You got to you got to win. You can't tie. You got to win. I mean, it's really pretty simple. I mean, the Ryder Cup has been using it forever, and people don't like it when that happens only once or twice, I think. But yeah, you know. but it it was exciting. I can tell you that. And it was it was it was chaos. There was chaos at the kilt. Yep. I remember <laughs> that. Remember the headline. Chris Eversole, <laughs> yeah, Chris Eversole. I, I remembered asking him about that, and he was very flat out that because of the lottery, because absolutely because you know the, the, the deck sure. was the deck was stacked, and uh, you know a tie was a win for them, and so he he was very happy to take that tie, and tie retains the cup, has been has been for as long as time, tie retains yep. the cup. Yep. Hey, can I ask you, Chris, uh, what happened to Chris Eversole uh, when he, did, he retired early? But I don't know really, you know, th did he have some kind of eye problem or something? I, do you know? Uh, uh, it's, I, I, I don't know all the specifics of it. I know his health has not been the best over the last, say, five to six years. Hmm. Um, you know, he's, uh, he lives in Jacksonville now. Um, and, Actually, yeah, he still uh, does some operating for some of Steve Sobel's machines down there. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, of all the, the players, you know, I mean, in the pantheon of Golden Tee greats, you know, your Sobeys, Ryans, Kinsler, Dean, you know, Jeff Haas. Um, uh, Andy Haas. Andy Haas. But, um, but Eversole... I mean, he was like the most dominant player. I mean, uh, Stenmark really came on after I left. I mean, you know, I think he might have been one year that he was playing that when I was still at IT. I, I don't, but but he wasn't the force that he became, um, you know. But, you know, everybody seemed to have the great players. They seemed to have their their time. At, at the absolute top and then they all kind of meander around maybe somebody else you know but they're always always near the top but ever so i don't think anybody had a better run probably than he did for that uh what it was three or four years whatever it was um i mean absolutely the the most dominant player i think uh, would there be somebody else uh, in that picture no uh, he had ice water in his veins and uh that that run from 2003 and even in you know when he got to 2005 and just i don't know maybe 2005 was kind of a surprise 
because his game, I mean, he really hadn't been working at it all that much. Um, and still come along and still, you know, be able to win. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he was the best tournament player at this time. Yeah. You know, you know we, we did a painting uh, and we, we gave him a painting um, as a gift. Uh, he's the world champ, I think, at the time. And, and, and um, it was, uh, I remember unveiling it for him, you know, and uh, it, was a, it was a real beautiful moment. I mean, I, I'll tell you, you know, these, the, the players, be, you know, they, people don't understand. You understand. The guys listening to this understand. But, you know, the people at IT, you know, they didn't really understand how this game was so important to people, you know, in, as part of their lives, you know. Um, and I, I always thought Chris walked away from it because it was time for him to walk away, that it was other things in his life that he wanted to focus on. Other, and then I heard it was a health issue. I mean, that's why I asked you, you know, what he, what he's been doing. Um, he, his walking away doesn't, you know, because he was on top and he didn't have anything else to prove, um, made perfect sense to me. Okay, if that's indeed what happened, um, did Stenmark do the same thing? Did he walk away from the game? I mean, I let me tell you what goal. What, what it means to walk away in the world of golden tea, it means to come back sporadically. All right. Chris Eversole played in a Florida open with me probably three or four years ago. That's the last time I saw him. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and he was doing okay then. Um, you know, right now, Mark Stenmark could fire up and start playing golden tea and be the best in the world. If he just wanted to go apply himself and put a thousand games a month in, he would automatically be the best in the world. Um, that being said, he is not really playing all that much. We're about to have a world championship, so I expect him to play more now. Um, but he's not been attending tournaments regularly, so I wouldn't say he's at the top of our game right now. Right now, who's, right now. Who is the best player in the country right we, now? We have, we have a man named Paul Anthony Luna right now. Paul Luna. Oh, Luna. Yeah, Paul Luna is the best player in the world today um, with a great – uh great 2021 his 2021 he had three wins last year on the tour and he had a he had a great run where he didn't lose for about six months so wow that's great yeah paul luna man what a great guy he's i remember yeah. uh he was uh playing but he was never he wasn't as good and when i i i left it in uh march of 2012 and um you know, and he had been playing, I mean, because he was part of, you know, I knew he, he and Sobel and, and those guys, he was a part of that crew or something. Um, and um, so I knew of him and stuff, but I don't, I, I, but, you know, and then I would see him winning afterwards, you know, and, and see him winning uh, tournaments. And I go, wow, he's, that's Paul Luna, you know, and so that, it's so cool to see somebody uh, take, uh, a major step up like that. I got I got to hand it to the Peggett boys. I got you know, I saw in them exactly what I wanted to see. I wanted, I wanted there to be a national Golden Tea tour, and I said, there's no reason in the world why we can't do this. I mean, that's kind of how those regional things start. You know, with the idea that we can, we can 
we can show what can happen and then we can replicate this. If we can do six tournaments, seven tournaments a year, six was my goal, you know, uh, along, you know, with the major, you know, uh, world championship, but six, six, uh, you know, tournaments and, and, but the company needed to have a partner who would make this happen. And the company had to support that partner, yeah. you know, <laughs> You know, it, it was like getting $500 out of the company. It was like prying, a, you know, a million dollars to give to, to these guys for a tournament, 500 bucks, you know. And then, you know, sending uh, Duffer Dan and Brad and, uh, and, and Soapy down to, uh, to a tournament, it was like, I mean, it was chicken feed okay it was chicken feed and i and i got to beg and, and scratch and claw for for you know it was such a you know and but to steve sobel's credit he did not give up as frustrating as it had to be to work with this company back in those days now i'm talking you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. That's what I'm talking about. Really that 2010-2011 period when when we had a chance to to get this thing really rolling because they wanted to make the commitment. We'll do it, but we need your help to make this thing work, Gary. And I said, yes, I agree, Steve. <laughs> but so how many tournaments they have now uh six uh a year now and then uh their last one is also doubles as a player of the year tournament uh okay. and our, the last one they just had had 202 players uh which which is which is the 202 202 wow. players how many uh, machines they have to have oh 39 we had 39 <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, it had 39 machines. I think it was all through about five to six operators involved, uh, including the tour, um, a great network of you know machines and uh, a very well ran tournament. It was, um, you know, it, it, <laughs> it it's going to be hard to duplicate. I'd love to see him do it. But, you know, it's it, it's, you know, it was the biggest thing I'd the second biggest tournament I had seen. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the first biggest was the 2000. Eight world championship. I was eight. Oh yeah, and uh, that's where I kind of want to uh, get to the podcast. Here was that was that world championship that we had. First off, we had three regionals uh, that led um, three players apiece. One in Atlanta at the Peachtree Weston, another I think in Chicago, and in Vegas, along with several other selected players. Twelve on twelve, Team USA versus the world team for the final time, uh, which turned out to be uh, not, not all that close. That, that, was the, that, was the, that was the one time you had the 12 best, you know, USA players. Mm -hmm. That was the mm -hmm. one time you had. Um, now, first off, before we get to that world championship, let me ask you this, because you had had six world championships before that. Do you believe in curses? <laughs> no. You don't believe in curses? All right, because there was a lot of talk. I think and it was probably fueled by Mr. Scrimeni that uh, there was a, a Gary Calabano curse about, you know, when he picks the winner for the world championship, that guy doesn't win. 
I did not pick a winner for a long time. Uh, well, I picked Andy Haas that time, though. Did you pick Andy Haas that time? I sure did. I thought you may have picked Chris Litzinger. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That might... <laughs> Who do you think I picked? I, I think you might have picked Chris Litzinger because Andy Haas uh, <laughs> ended up winning. So <laughs> I did pick Chris. I'll tell you, that was another guy. You know, I mean, he was he was such a great player and such a great guy. And then then we got some of that cheating thing and uh, yeah. but to get him back to get him back and everything was uh what is he still playing now i haven't seen him play in a long time um it's uh he i think he played in one of the cincinnati tournaments that were having back in 16-ish 17-ish um i wasn't up there for it so i haven't seen him uh we did he and I exchanged some text uh, when we had a mutual friend die in uh, Telly Rogers when Telly Rogers passed away, and then uh, hmm. we—that's the last I have actually really talked to him. But no, uh, not much. Yeah, he was—that's he's—he was a—he was, was, was a a great player, and a, he's a great guy. Yeah. And uh, but you know that's when we had these uh, like uh, automatic uh, bands and stuff. You know, if you were if you were caught, and it was like I mean it was like. I mean, come on, you guys, we can't let this happen, you know, and, but it, you know, what are you going to do? You yeah. Know, it, you know, there was no, there was no gray area. Let's put it that way. And, um, and well, we'll get, we'll get to that. I, I wanted the 2008 world championship where uh, first off 50 machines at the uh, then Las Vegas Hilton, which by the way, we're going back there uh, here in just about three weeks. And, you know, 50 machines, this big, big convention center ballroom. Um, did you think at the time this was going to be the last one you were going to have? I didn't. Uh, Scott was against it. I was against it. We, you know, it was never, we never brought it up. It was, uh, it was a, uh, how do you, I'm trying to, re- recall exactly how this all happened but it was like it was almost like let's just get this thing over with let's just it was almost like a swan song you knew it was going to be a swan song you knew it was um you know we're we're, it's the grand finale i kept playing uh you know it's a final countdown countdown, you know i kept i kept playing it uh in it Scott Morrison, I mean, what a brilliant guy, what a great guy, you know, and he made sure he did everything he could to make sure that that tournament worked and ran uh, as effectively as possible. I did everything I could to make sure it ran and and was a great experience for everybody there. You know, Duffer and Adam, I mean, everybody just worked their tail off. You can imagine how much work that was playing in a seeing an event with 39 machines were you there at that one too mm-hmm. i was yeah. okay so you know you know what i'm talking about i mean it's just it's it's crazy it's beyond belief and we had we didn't know how many players were going to come that was the other thing it wasn't like we knew exactly who was going to be there it was like oh just come in and register you know and uh and we'll give you know it depends and we had a some schedule that said okay if we have this many players 
this is you know you're going to yeah. play in two sums and if you have this many it's going to be three sums if we have this many it's going to be four sums and it's going to be five courses four courses three i mean it was nuts okay it was just a, a wacky thing but um we we um we just did what we were told because we were good soldiers <laughs> i guess that's the best way to say it yeah 350 players total including the automatic 24 that were qualified for the regionals and the international squad um there were basically all those people playing for eight spots eight spots to fill up a 32-man bracket that's where it was that's correct yeah it was eight guys there were eight guys to to make it yeah all right. Any schmoes? Any schmoes make it? No. I I made it. No, no, I was one. You were not a schmo. Come on. No, no, no I wasn't time? a schmo. No, that, that that was my that was that was the tournament that changed everything for me. That that's when it turned around. It that was the one that told me I could do it. And that's right. Um, yeah, that's that that's the one that will stick out for me forever. The, um, but all those people, fifty machines, were unveiling the pedestal. That's also that's also oh, happening. that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, power putt becoming a thing. Um, we had old eighty nine there too. Remember, you know the the first, the only, the last, the last of the original Golden Tee, first Golden Tee golf cabinet. We yeah. called it eighty nine. It, it, it in the company annals. We always said it was nineteen ninety. But it was actually released in 1989, so you know here we we call it, you know, it was the 20th anniversary of that machine, so mm -hmm. that version. So uh, I mean, we did everything we could to make it a memorable experience, but it's it was just a zoo. It was I mean, the thing. Remember how late in the night thing ran there? Oh, oh yeah. Oh jeez. Oh god, I'm still exhausted just thinking about it. <laughs> I had asked uh, Andy in one of the podcasts I did with him is, uh, you know, did, did he remember how late that tournament went? And he said he thinks it was like four in the morning when he called. It was four in the morning, Vegas, seven in the morning uh, <laughs> in his part of Ohio. And I, yeah, I, I know it was late. I thought it was, you know, three ish, but it, it could have been that late. Oh, I mean, but it, it went, it went forever. And uh but it, it was it was done, and it was the largest world championship. It, it was the most largest gold. It was largest golden tee event, uh, I think anybody had been a part of. Um, leaving it's still the biggest, right? Yeah, yeah, it is the biggest on record at the time. At this time, um, right. leaving Vegas, then where did you see Golden Tee going forward at that point? Well, they cut. Uh, uh, the marketing budget severely. Okay. They were looking, uh, they were spending so much money developing um, uh, the video, uh, the gambling games that um, that they relied on the golden tea profits to, to keep that going. Um, and then um, the idea of spending more money without a, uh, a guaranteed return. I guess that's the easiest way of saying it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to spend a dollar, we want to see $2 coming back, you know, $1.50 coming back. Um, 
then you knew that the writing was on the wall. So, yeah. um, you know, and so my job over the years, um, you know, I, I mean, my job was to put a spotlight on the company, on its employees, uh, on the game, and on um, on the players. So, you know, that that's what I did, and there, this was a major component of of my job, and but you know, it was probably you know a third of my time. So you know, that was huge. You know, so to to have the budget cut for that, where there wouldn't be a tournament, um, you know, it suddenly, you know, all the focus became getting more partners. <clears throat> you know, we had Diageo for, for one of their uh, vodkas, I think, or something. I'm not sure what it was. We, you know, I, I did the million dollar deal with uh, Anheuser-Busch. I mean, there was a, I, I was bringing in a lot of cash and I was the only guy doing that. Um, but the, um, you, you never knew how that was going to work. You know, I mean, you know, like I, I got a, I had heard that there was some interest by McDonald's. So I go to Scott, I go, Scott, there's, you know, I got this lead. There, there could be some interest on McDonald's. They want to meet with us, you know, corporate headquarters. Um, how about you and me? Uh, I'd, I'd like to have a little backup and, uh, then as soon as he lets everyone know, you know, the management know that there's a McDonald's, there's four guys going to the meeting and we overwhelmed this poor girl. And, and, um, you know, and, and, you know, that, that just killed the deal, uh, immediately. And, um, uh, you know, and, and which was a shame because, you know, you, you got to, everything is relationships. And that was a hard thing for, for incredible technologies, to uh, understand, uh, they were they were always outsiders in the coin op industry, okay, and in amusement industry, and and they relished that. They 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 were outsiders on purpose. They didn't believe they didn't have a, <clears throat> any marketing people when I until I got there because they didn't believe in it, okay. They didn't believe in relationships. Uh, as uh, helping uh, you uh, become a, a more profitable company. They looked on uh, that stuff as a meaningless uh, voodoo. Um, oh. They said, if we, if we produce a great game, it will sell itself. That was how they thought. Pesh had to get, he worked so hard. He did, he, he's probably... The greatest employee in the history of that company if if they ever try to break it down because he got through that and he he, he made them change the, uh, their tune putting duffer dan you know you got to remember i hired adam i hired duffer dan i mean am i the greatest guy <laughs> in the world recognizing and i recognize talent yeah yeah and no, I, of, course, scott, of course scott scott of course had a huge part of that too but but we we saw the talent in these guys, okay. And so you know, putting Duffer Dan in charge of the slot machine business was the best move that they ever made because Dan understands how to make relationships. He is he is uh, he is an honest man 
who is really smart and understands things. And so you that's the best kind of a person you want to work with in business. Somebody and so he, you know, he never promises anything he can't deliver. He 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 knows exactly what he can do and, and the benefits it'll do his business partners when when there's a deal to be made. So he's he's the right guy. So what that leads, you know, so he goes to Dan goes, you got Adam, you got Gary, you know, and you got Sobe. Sobe's still hanging around, you know. Mm -hmm. That was still a real source of frustration. They, they hire Steve and they don't give us a budget. <laughs> it's like, Steve, I, I want you to go to uh, uh, see this operator in uh, North Dakota. He goes, sure, I'll go, you know, and then, but the operator, uh, we, you know, Steve goes, okay, uh, it, uh, having me uh, make an appearance is like a thousand dollars, you know, um, to make sure that everything is, you know, because, you know, Steve is getting a big salary and, you know, there's expenses, you know, flying and, uh, and all this stuff. And, and the operator goes, I don't want to pay that. What are you talking about? Why would I pay to have your guy come to my place? You know, your guy's coming to my place to promote your game and stuff and make me money. I'm your customer. And he was, that guy was a hundred percent right. Yeah. But we didn't have a budget. We didn't have a budget for Steve. So, you know, the next thing you know, Sobe's on the phone, uh, call it a deadbeat operator saying, Hey, pay your bill. I mean, <laughs> this is the three time, this is the three time national champion, the greatest player in the world. And, and he's, and he's calling call it deadbeat operators, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was such a, it was a horrible time. I mean, I remember when I got uh, let go, I mean, I could, you know, Scott, to his credit, you know, he, 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 he just kept telling him, you know, Gary's the only guy who can do the stuff that he does. And, you know, nobody loves the, the game and the company more than Gary, you know, so they keep me on. But then I guess one day they go, we need some slot machine marketing guys, young guys, young slot machine guys. Yeah. And uh, so I, you know, I, I, I'm sitting at my, in my desk, my door is always open. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but my back is to the door, my computer there, right in the corner. And I hear my door close and I turn around and there's the HR director and Elaine. <laughs> and I felt like I was in the, the Sopranos. I was getting whacked, you know, I mean, <laughs> and I remember saying this to her, just like, I think it was uh, the, uh, the, the, in the, in the God godfather when they're gonna off one of the guys he goes now michael uh you don't have to do this and i said that to elaine i go elaine you don't have to do this <laughs> <laughs> she goes gary you're uh, you're too old and you make too much money she didn't say that but i mean that was the 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 inference was that you know dear you know it, your time is up and uh i i need uh, your salary to pay for a couple of marketing guys and um, for the slot machine division. And thank you so much for everything you've done. And, uh, and we are very, very uh, close. I mean, I, I have, I could never say anything bad about working for Elaine Hutch and she is, and Richard. They're just the warmest, greatest people in the world to work for, you know them. So, you know. I wish I knew them more. 
I know I know them very little. I sh- I shared a hot tub with them at the Wyndham across the street from the. Uh, for, for, yeah, they had at, their clothes on too. I remember. Yeah, the yes, and uh, it, was, <laughs> um, it was fun times getting to know them just a little bit. But I, I don't even know if they would remember uh, seeing me. It's been almost you know twenty years now. Um, I what's um, first off, are you the greatest Golden Tee complete player of all time? <laughs> you know i had the game in my basement and i i never shot 30 okay but i had i shot a 29 i'm kiwi i think it was kiwi springs kiwi, kiwi springs you know oh yeah and and i and then i had uh we had a flood here and you know i had uh the little cabaret cabinet and the computers on the bottom on the uh, the base of that and when the water hit it, it, it snuffed it out. And then, uh, you know, I, you know, it was just, you know, I tossed it out and I never, you know, never re- never got another one. And then I tore my rotator cuff about, let me see, 20, 2013. And so I haven't played gold. I played one game since then, you know, cause I couldn't, I, it, it just hurt, you know, yeah. uh, but now it's, but I play a lot of golf now. I played 140 rounds in the last two years each year. So that that's good. I golfed by age last year. Oh, did I you? 69. I was 69 in 19 uh, in 2020. And I shot a 69 and a 68. And then this year, when I was 70, I shot a 69. So Goodness. now I'm 71. Goodness. I'm 71, Chris, and I hope to do it again. <laughs> so I, I play a lot of golf. I hear you, man. Have you pl- played any golf? Was the last time you played Golden Tee? There was a game in a bar, and the guys, you know, that I golf with, you know, they, I said, "Hey, look at this." I, they still got my name. It was an old, uh, I think it was a 20, 2012 game. So it still had my name on the credits, and uh, and I showed everybody. It, I know it was in a uh, club. It was in the uh, the uh, locker room of a private club here in Chicago, and well, it, was, it wasn't hooked up or anything. And they said, "Well, come on, man, see if you can beat the the top score." You know of the and and I said, "Well, I don't want to beat the top score. That's kind of a dick thing to do." You know, yeah, I don't, I don't. Uh, you know, Sobe always said, you never go around and beat the local guy's score. That was, that, that's just bad. And so I said, I don't want to do it. And they said, oh, come on, come on, play. And so, you know, I think I shot a 14 and I beat the the high score by five strokes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, I just, one last uh, question and then we'll get out of here. Cause I've always kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on uh, that time coming into rolling live out is also a time where the game was allowing players to monetize this in a way that could be a career for them. All right. Where did, where were, where did you, what did you feel about guys playing about golden tea for a living? How did you, where did you stand on that fence? There's a newsletter. You probably haven't seen it, but there's a news I used to have called, we used to publish it and give it to uh, players with gold cards. So I think it was the summer of 2001, maybe 2000, but I think it was 2001. And, um, and the, it was a two-page article, and it was like how to 
play golden tea for a living and quit your day job. <laughs> I mean, I've always, I've always wanted people to be professionals and play and win uh, and, and make this their livelihood. I was the only person in the company who felt that way. <laughs> you know, they're going, no, no, we don't want people to make a living playing our game. And I go, what is wrong with that? What, wouldn't it be great if we can say, you know, uh, one-tenth of our players play Golden Tea uh, as their livelihood? How many players is that? 10,000? I mean, wouldn't that just be wonderful to be able to say something like that? Yeah. And they go, no, no, we just want everybody to play the game. We just want everybody to play the game. And we want everybody to enjoy the game. I mean, and I go, everybody is doing that. If there happens to be a group of people who, if they don't cheat, okay and that was the one thing that was always a caveat if people play our game and make living the word's going to spread and people are going to play more i mean there's no it's not a deterrent to somebody to play the game if somebody else is playing the game at a higher level it doesn't mean that's a bad thing this is a great thing that there are players who are so good but it just, uh, it never uh, really resonated. I mean, every, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think. Um, Jim would, Jim Zielinski, uh, you know, we only had a handful of geniuses in our company, but Jim, you know, a handful is a lot. We know yeah. that, but we had really top people at IT. But Jim's I and understanding of how hard to make courses, how easy to make courses and stuff, you know. I mean, we would play together. He and Brad and I would play all the time. I mean, after, you know, when I first started, I played, we played for three or four hours after work every day. And, and that's how I learned to play the game from, you know, Brad and, and Jim. And they took all my money until I started getting some back and it wasn't so bad. But yeah. we played for yeah. money every game, you know, it was a dollar, two dollar, whatever it'd be. And, you know, and Jim would always say, you could always take your birdie. I mean, that was a thing that he, he always said, you could always take your birdie, you know, and I go, oh, I see what you're doing here. You're just rope-a-doping me. There, nobody wants to just take a birdie. Not I mean, I don't, and maybe the first time you ever play this game, you might want to just take a birdie because you don't understand that you could hit it over that tree or around that tree and get on the green and make an eagle, Okay. I mean, you know, I said, Jim Zielinski's robodoping me. You know, he's, 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 he's making me take a, a birdie so I don't get an eagle and so he can take my money. I mean, it was really that simple. And, but, that, but that mentality is something that he always understood, that there were levels of skill in a, this skill-based game. And so what he wanted to do is give somebody a birdie if they wanted it, but you know, um, but there was always a pendulum, right? This pendulum would always swing back for you know, hard this year, you know, easy next year, you know, easy this year, hard next year. I mean, it was like, a, but, but somehow he always found a happy medium that, uh, that resonated with the players. 
Hey, what's all this stuff about stouts? What, what's this all about? I don't, I, 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 it must be a golf ball. It goes in a hole easy or something. Um, okay. So that's an interesting topic. Uh, the stouts are a golf ball that basically it cuts the wind in half. All right. So if you can remember the most extreme of times where you can play a 19 mile an hour wind, you would see that in golden tea. All right. Imagine a golf ball that just cuts that in half, no matter what. All right. And so guys that, you know, would, you'd see a six mile an hour wind is now a three mile an hour wind. And it makes being precise a lot easier when there's not as much wind. <laughs> and so that's what it is. And now, uh, it was a golf ball apparently created uh, for novice players to achieve better scores uh, has now turned into the best players in the world using it to their advantage as uh, <laughs> of course, of course, as, as, as we've proven in history, that's what the best players in the world are going to do. If you give them an advantage, they're going to take that advantage. So do you, uh, do they uh, disallow uh, or ban stouts from a tournament play, um, a live tournament play? Um, that's the thing about it. Uh, there's a world we believe that the stouts can exist as long as it doesn't have the attributes of the other golf balls that give you that advantage, of the advantage of spin, distance. Uh, a different kind of flight whatever the case may be that golf ball that you're taking advantage of well the stouts share in all those advantages and it also cuts the wind in half hmm. and, and so if there's a world where we can have that golf ball and just dial it back the distance to where you don't have the we, we call it nerfing it basically we, we basically bring it back on the distance while the other balls can still achieve and you can still go get certain par fours that you can that you need to get on in one that you can, might not be able to do with the stouts you know um that being said have all the best scores been shot with stouts um the best rounds of all time no 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 i mean they're still have been done with uh, other golf balls now i mean there have been great rounds shot with stouts and you know some of them are the best of all time but if i could if i had to name the two or three best rounds i know of, of all time they weren't played with stouts no they were they were what, played with other ball balls um i'm i'm not familiar with uh, the it website though i i just poked my around on it just briefly before we got on the air here mm -hmm. um and um is there i didn't see any legacy stuff is there like a world championship uh you know, things in there and descriptions of 2008 uh, and, and any of that? No, when they migrated to that Livewire website, they basically just kind of, Ke Kevin still says they have it. They have all that on file somewhere. Uh, Kevin Lindsay, who mm -hmm. I, I guess is now you. Okay, that is our... Uh, no, Kevin, Kevin uh, when he was in high school, he was a, still in high school. Maybe he was a freshman in college. I gave him a tour of the offices and spent a, a you know a half a day with him so seeing him as part of the of the team is uh, is really heartening it's it's wonderful he's such a great kid uh, he's probably not a kid anymore but he's a great kid you know but um but he got rid of all that stuff or 
it got well, rid of it. Oh, yeah, it? Like I said, it, it's not it's not available online. Um, but Kevin has assured me they still have all that stuff on file because I, I wanted access to it just for you know stats and you know knowing some of the old stuff. Um, I used to look back fondly at Gentleman Jack's tournaments that were, you know, locally in my area. Sure. Yeah, the oh, old, um, all these, you know, I different. That. I was at that one in uh, near Nashville. I was, I was at that one. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, all, fun. yeah. Anyways, and I also used to look fondly back at the old 2003, 2004, 2005 World Championships, and those are not really all that available on there now our recent world championships that are all because everything is streamed online. Now you can see all the play all that's on YouTube and you can go back and watch the last uh, seven years of golden tea content pretty regularly. And yeah, mm. there's a, there's a that's lot cool. of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, uh, you know, everybody's making do with what they want. It's just that, uh, you know, the, it kind of, um, Oh, it's sad to me to know that uh, all that, uh, the stuff that we did, uh, again, I use that term, you know, making something out of nothing, Scott and Dan and, and Adam and me uh, trying to, um, you know, we, we did all this stuff and it's a shame that it's not available. I think it's, well, I don't know if it's a shame, but it's sad, you know. Yeah, I, I, it, it should be available. And, I, you know, we'll, I, I hope we can get to a point where, you know, we can get that, all that back on live because it's, you know, it's a part of our history, right? I mean, it's part of, Absolutely. you know, it's yeah. part of things we've done. I always tried, you know, that was another one of my kind of like just my my overall um, str I don't know, strategy is the right word, but, you know, I wanted people to look at this thing as bigger than they ever imagined. And we used to use that kind of a tagline too, that golden tea is bigger than you ever thought. Um, you know, and we have this long history and you know, I, I wanted people to be able to look back on it as, you know, well, I wasn't even born when that happened. You know, I mean, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. To, you know, and to have guys like, like you know, Greg Kinsler and and Stephen Sobey and Ryan Bourgeois and Dean Leakakos and John Jason Makovich, you know, um, you know, have these guys uh, revered. Uh, as the you know the, like the dead ball era I, we, we still actually use that term for the old 3d players you know that uh, they were they played in the dead ball era and uh, only a yeah. few of them you know like Sobe and ryan b and stuff made the transition um but it, you know but you know i think adam kramer is doing a wonderful job don't you uh adam is doing awesome work for us and uh i well, I we, you know we're you know, we spoke of this 2008 World Championship, and he, uh, you know, I had him on a podcast, and we spoke of also that Silver Strike World Championship at the Palm. <laughs> oh, um, one one of the more infamous uh, times you've ever well, had. I broke my rule. Man. I broke my rule of never drinking during uh, <laughs> a, a competition that I was the MC of. <laughs> Uh, from what I hear, everybody broke that rule. All right, yeah, everybody was, was breaking that rule. It was, a, it was a crazy night. I can tell you that. I remember Adam was, he, he, you know, this was, we had everything set up and we were just kind of like waiting around and we're in this incredible suite. I don't know if you've ever been up there. I mean, it was the bowling. No, no, no. Well, yeah, we, we had actual bowling lanes there and we had games up on it. I mean, it was great. 
but you know, he he and Duffer, or maybe it was Scott, I don't know, but he was playing a game and like I was like irritated. I go, hey man, we gotta finish this or something. And he was he had like 10 in a row or something, and I hit the stop button on him. And and I'll tell you, I talking about daggers. <laughs> <laughs> talking about daggers i'll never forget that moment oh, i think i just made a mistake here um but adam kramer he's he's number one in my book adam is uh you know i, I first off we're very proud of how you know he's one of the he's one of the vice i guess vice presidents of amusement now i guess that's the official name of his job um and he's just uh he's a rock star for the company so and uh i mean Duffer's the vice president adam's the vice president wow. oh yeah you know all these guys they were kids they were kids when you hired them they were yeah but you know you can see talent though you know you can see talent you can and you just let when you when you got talented people just let them do their thing man you know that was you know scott let let me do my thing i let those guys do their thing uh before we get out of here you got a good brad Litt story for me Brad Litz made me $20,000. I'll take that back. He made, Brad Litz made $10,000 for Brad Litz and $10,000 for me. And um, we were uh, in a pool. One of my, my buddies over here ran a big uh, pool and you had a bet. Every game was 16 games, 16 games each week um in the nfl what's that 256 um against the spread yeah and so there, and so you it was a cumulative you know you count up you know your each week there was a winner for each week and then you know a winner at the end of the season the winner at the end of the season 20 grand and and so you know i'm i'm a notorious uh uh um uh what's the word for uh not going against the spread uh um fading pardon me fading i don't, I don't know well brad was a chalk player okay yeah. he was a chalk player and i was uh the opposite i if everybody was on something i wanted the other side okay yeah. the contrarian I'm, I'm the contrarian brad's the chalk player and we each put in our three, $400 for our entry into this thing. And so I had, I go, Brad is the smartest guy I know when it comes to statistics and shit. So I'm going to let him go and pick all of the chalk guys that he wants. I'm going to identify the chalk guys that I don't want. And then those will be our picks. We go through the whole season. We get down to the last night the last day and we are in first place and i have and the there is a indianapolis is playing the night game the last game of the season it was a night game sunday night and they didn't didn't matter if they won or not okay because they were already in the playoffs and so brad said they can't lose they're only minus four you yeah. know and i said no they're going to lose this game because they don't have anything to play for. There's no incentive for them. And we fought and we struggled and we, it, he said, okay, I'll go with you. And they got beat and we won. Now I'm saying, <laughs> no, I'm saying you should say, well, you won 10,000 for Brad. No, 
All season long, Brad picked more winners than anybody. I mean, we had 100, I think we won 160 uh, winners out of against the spread, and he won 120 of them. <laughs> I know, I know. And so, uh, so he won, we won 20 grand, and he was the best fantasy football guy. We got into a fantasy football thing uh, that paid a million dollars for the winners, and I, I picked nobody. He just, I let him pick everything. And we, we, we won 20 grand in that one too, but mm -hmm. uh, we didn't win the million, but, awesome. but he was the smartest guy with statistics. I mean, he was a brilliant poker player, uh, fantasy uh, uh, games like uh, the world of Warcraft and, uh, and magic, yeah. the gatherings. I mean, the guy was just, you know, he's just brilliant. And uh, he was a dear, dear friend. He was uh, an awesome guy. I've uh, I was fun. I, I got to play craps with him several times, and that was my uh, I have some wonderful memories with him doing that. We used to shoot some dice, and that was awesome. But uh, on that note, Gary, I, I appreciate you coming on, talk to me. Uh, you know, golden tea is still a very, very, very livid thing right now, and uh, yeah. it just came off one of its best years it's ever had. So hopefully, uh. It's it's heartening to me to see the game still going strong and seeing the people who are playing it, you know, are still people I know and, uh, and how much it still means to you. I mean, look, you're doing a podcast about it 20 years after I met you. I mean, this, it's fantastic, Chris. I yeah. mean, it really is. Yeah. All right, man. I appreciate you joining me and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you. Get to talk to you soon, man. Sure. will. take care. All right. All right, a huge thank you to Gary for coming on and sharing some of his story and some of his perspective from his time in Incredible Technologies and, uh, you know, maybe giving us a little bit more insight insight on how they operate and how they kind of make their decisions. Um, I found it informative. I always love talking to the guy. And uh, who knows, we may run back and uh, do that again. So uh, more world championship talk coming up uh got a podcast guest this week um van hoosier and i uh along with bernsey will do something again next week right before the world championship and then uh also got a mobile podcast lined up as well um iHeartRadio, the world's largest network of podcasts is always my preferred listening platform uh if you listen anywhere i always prefer you listen there but if not anywhere you get your podcast Apple Podcasts, all Google Podcasts, anywhere you get them, Spotify. Um, and share, please. Just uh, you think uh, somebody in the Golden Tea game might like this, uh, give it a share. Um, and uh, hopefully they'll like it. Um, all right, lots of podcast content coming up soon. Talk to you guys later.